Today's episode brought to you by BossPods.com. Want a podcast like a boss? We've got the inside word on how to set up a podcast that's actually worth something. We've got the industry's best to show you how. BossPods.com. Podcast like a boss. Welcome, friends, to the second instalment this week of Coming Up Next. This is a special week because we are doing two releases. If you haven't checked out this week's first episode, it was uh, it's an incredible interview with the guys behind the Four Finger Discount Podcast, Australia's number one Simpsons podcast. And for round two this week, I bring you a man who has been doing some inspiring things with his podcast he runs a show called Humans of Twitter, which is not dissimilar to coming up next. It's an insightful look at the behind-the-scenes lives of people who are in the public spotlight, who are following a life of their own design and their own choosing. Now, I'm making a big deal about the fact that I'm releasing uh, two episodes in one week. Well, I can tell you that Steve Molk, the man behind the Humans of Twitter podcast, which you can find at humansoftwitter.com, or on iTunes, Stitcher, and any place you find your good podcasting. He releases three episodes a week, every week. So certainly an inspiring man to look to for a quite prolific creative output. And if you'd like to hear more of, uh, of my singular weekly rambles, you can find me at comingupnext.com.au or on iTunes or Stitcher under Coming Up Next. Hit the subscribe button. Then when you're done with that, jump over to Humans of Twitter, hit the subscribe button on that, leave a review and help us to continue to bring amazing interviews to your ear holes on a weekly, or in Steve's case, tri-weekly basis. Uh, I was actually just listening to your interview with Justin Hamilton. Okay, yeah. Um, and I mean, the way that you do it is, uh, it's, it's extraordinary. Um, I, you know, I do one interview a week that I release you do three. Yes. That's pretty uh, pretty intense stuff. I'd, I'm, I'm curious to know a little bit about you, your background and, and how you've kind of gotten into um, the entertainment industry. Yeah, let's let's pretend that I'm in the entertainment industry. That's a great start, <laughs> Alistair. Um, I, look, I'm a nerd, I guess, by profession. I work, I've worked in IT for 25 years yeah. uh, in various formats. And as a part of that, of course, you want to keep up with internet trends and, and we're just technology trends. And part of that has been the internet and then communication and its various formats and, and those sorts of things. Uh, and I have always been you know, interested in talking to people. I'm a fairly extroverted kind of dude. And my current day technical job uh, has me working from home, which I find to be excellent in its right. freedom and frustrating in its limitations of uh, you're the only person outside my family that I've spoken to today. Right. So I like to talk to people yeah. and it's fun not to speak to my <laughs> – I love my wife, I love my kids, um, but I like to talk to others. You know, mm. you miss that social interaction where in an office – uh, or in a normal workplace, you can go, hello, person, friend, uh, would you like to have a coffee and talk about the game last night or talk about that thing that we are having in common of, of the stuff? And that's not to say I don't talk to my workmates, but it's they're overseas mostly. So mm. I have a very limited window to do that. Um, so this has opened up an opportunity for me to talk to 
in some cases, people that are friends, in some cases, people that I know nothing about. Mm. And uh, Humans of Twitter is is designed to just be what you know I say in the intro. It's a conversation uh, to understand who the person is behind the Twitter account. Mm. Mm. So what was it about uh, Twitter that was sort of a launching point for you? Was it just a point of difference or was it something that you're quite passionate about? Twitter is, uh, well, for, for a person that works at home, Twitter is life somewhat. But yeah, yeah. I obsess, I, look, it very easily could be identified as an addiction or an addictive issue in my life. There's no question. Uh, it's what helped me get into the media game, the other full-time hobby I want it to be my job thing that I do. Uh, and it enabled and offered an interaction and the opportunity to speak with people that you would never otherwise have the chance to speak to um, and, and build relationships with them. Now, I'm not saying that they're inviting me around uh, for barbecues at their joint, sure. but I've had the chance to, in private, have conversations with them about things that they're doing or stuff that they've heard that's fed into to those kinds of things. Mm. And, and so Twitter as a communication medium is incredible and it has a great discipline attached to it that you have to be succinct in your initial point of communication because it's only 140 characters. Mm. So you've got to be sharp or witty or to the point. And, and that's even when you're including links here, read my thing or hear my thing or, or that, that sort of stuff. Uh, you've got to suck people in on just that little bit of a tag and that's always been attractive and I like to think that at times I can be humorous and so there's an additional discipline that plays to that. Mm. Um, I think your, your output is definitely uh, in good humor. Voluminous. The output is voluminous. Oh, it is, it is definitely voluminous as well. <laughs> uh, but I enjoy, I enjoy it and I enjoy getting feedback from people and to the same end, I'm sure that there are people that follow me that talk to me that think, well, I'll say it like this, that think I'm more elevated than I am. Mm. I'm just a normal human like they are. The catch is that I've uh, been very lucky to have people accept what I propose or what I suggest I am, and mm. that is that I am, uh, well, I style myself as a media commentator. So mm. to that end, people are willing to cut me some slack and or listen to what I say or write uh, or, or tweet and that has given me access. And so other people say, oh, well, Steve knows this or Steve has contacts with this uh, and we like what he does or we want to hear what he does or what he thinks or he's a famous kind of guy. He's mm. not a famous guy, but, <laughs> you know, that, that he... Because it, it's, it's, it's the new celebrity that I'm not and I don't profess to be, but... But in a sense, the truth is in the eye of the beholder. Oh, there's no question that people will form their perceptions how they form them. Mm. It's quite a powerful emblem, I suppose, for actually following what you want to do and not waiting for the ducks to line up, but in fact, just taking action and going for what you kind of want. You create this um, persona or this, uh, as you say, you kind of craft this um, look and from the outside looking in that's that's what it is and that's the reality and the truth of it and you've managed to create uh, a pretty awesome following and, and a real uh, a really well um, ground out persona on social media i i don't profess to be a journalist and i say that in both senses uh in the positive sense in that i think that we are very lucky that there are some incredible journalists just here in australia for mm. example 
that uh, craftsmen and craftswomen, I guess, but people that know the discipline of journalism and deliver output to that extremely well. Mm. We also have people that are not journalists that call themselves journalists by any stretch of the imagination. And that's not opinion people. That's just people that write and and take money to be employed as a journalist that are not journalists. Mm. Um, And so to that end, I, I don't claim to be in that crew and I get both segregated by people like that, but I also get included by people in that group. And I'm very lucky to that end. Uh, if I was, if I had sat around waiting for people to let me into the media club, um, I'd still be sitting around waiting. Mm. Things like Twitter and social media and, and the internet and blogging and podcasting have opened up massive opportunities for not just me, but a whole bunch of other people that I know and, and I would consider my peers or even consider, um, better at, at what I attempt to do, mm. uh, just because they've applied themselves and uh, built relationships, which ultimately is what all of this game is about, yeah, having sure. excellent relationships with people. So tell me about your show. I'd love to know um, why you started it and how you started it and how you got your first guests. Humans of Twitter is a very, I think, a very clear ripoff of the Humans of New York uh, thing mm. that exists in Facebook and in other realms uh, where... I, I came to, I think it was the start of August 2015, and I just went, you know what? Twitter, which I have always found to be, generally speaking, a really fun place and a really engaging place uh, to share or to listen and to those sort of things, just seemed to be a bit angry mm. um, over a lot of things and people jumping to being angry and jumping to be outraged instead of maybe pausing and thinking, well, is this is this a thing? You know, the outrage bicycle is very easy to get on. Yes. And, and stay on if you want to attempt to stay on it. Someone once said to me um, that it takes no skill at all to find what's wrong with things. Oh, yeah, there are lots of people that are, that are 100% super critics. People that will find uh, opportunities to be upset about something, whether mm. it's the entire thing or here's a whole thing. And this little sliver of it is, is uh, upsetting to me. So everyone needs to be upset about this one little sliver of a thing, whether that's reasonable or not. Mm. So everyone was angry and they haven't got any better, Alistair, but I, I determined at that point that, you know, I'm, I need to also check myself and go, well, maybe, yeah, I need to not jump onto some of those outrage, outrage bandwagons and not be so um, quick to be critical about things. And, and I thought, well, what's the best way to do that? If, if, because in Twitter, all we see is a picture and some words in a bio and then whatever the tweet output is, it's very simple. Sorry, it's very easy for us to just go, you know what? I think this person is this kind of person and put them in a box. Mm. And, and we all know that in talking with people, generally speaking, it's very hard to put people into boxes. Mm. Nice little compartmentalized ones. You know, usually we can put them in heaps of boxes or maybe they're octagonal or something. You know, they're <laughs> trapezoidal pyramids. I'm definitely uh, a triangle. <laughs> I've got three uh, so, good points. I'm lucky to have two, so I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> um, so I thought the best way to defeating some of this, this people getting angry or jumping to anger things is if we understand who the other person is, then maybe if, if we have some of that understanding, we won't read what they've said 
in a light that is negative or in a light that is not the way they intended it. Mm. So by talking to people behind the Twitter accounts and, and understanding the human that's there, we gain some real insight into the things that they do tweet about and the interests that they have and who they are as a person. Uh, and I've found that for me personally to be incredibly rewarding and amazingly mm. Uh, engaging to have some of the stories that have been told by people, the things that they've been willing to share. Uh, and I, I'm, for lack of a better word, obsessed by it. I, I just want to collect all the stories. Mm. Yeah, I'm, uh, I just had a massive hit of goosebumps as you said that. I, I can definitely relate to wanting to connect with people. And um, I guess in a similar way, it's... Uh, it's an exploration of, of the human condition and the human psyche almost and, and what, we're all, what are we all doing and what are we all here for. I think that um, there's a, there's, there, are some, there are certainly some uh, common grounds between humans of Twitter and coming up next. Mm. Um, I'm curious about how you who, – who were some of the first guests that you had? I, I – look, I like to think it was very smart and intentional of me. I reached out to five – Relatively, I saw them as broadly different people, mm. and and I thought this give this a test run. If I can get five people on board to this, uh, and ask them some questions and put it out there and see how it goes, then that will fight. You know, an investment of five interviews is not big. You know, if if people go, yeah, it's great, but we've heard it before, or that's a bit sad, or no one really cares about who these people are. Mm. I can walk away without a whole bunch of pain. So I reached out to uh, some, in a couple of cases, people that uh, people might know, people might be interested in, and of course, lent on some friends. Uh, so I spoke with Mark DiStefano, Kerry Sackville, uh, Andy Park, who was at The Feed, but is now at uh, ABC. Uh, Reed Parker, internet Photoshop genius, mm. uh, at least in my book. And uh, Daniel John Hall, a very funny writer who's based in Melbourne that I, I consider to be a good friend. And I just went through the process with each of them and asked them a similar bunch of questions and then put them up on the internet and said, hey, dudes, have a listen to this and tell me what you think. Mm. And I was so buzzed after just recording them, really before I got any feedback. Yeah, yeah. I just went, I'm going to do this. I'm going to just line up some people and speak to them. And like I said, I'm a little bit on the obsessive side. So I think in one week I recorded 10. Wow. Uh, because as much as anything, it's about getting people's availability. Yeah, You've got yeah. to find them. It's just set aside an hour. We aim to record for about 30 to 40 minutes uh, and let's go from there. Mm. And people, I've, uh, what have we got out? We've got 60, nearly 70 episodes, uh, 60 something out now, a few more in the can still to come. And I've only had uh, two people say they're not interested. Mm. So that's, that's a pretty good hit rate so far. It's a very good hit rate. I've, yeah, I've had a similar experience. I've only had, yeah, maybe a couple of people actually turn it down. Um, otherwise, everyone's been very receptive. But I think the most I've done in a week was maybe three. So 10 is, that was my next question was how have you, because you, you are putting three out a week. That's mm. quite a lot of time spent preparing and recording and editing. And I, and I had considered doing a second episode a week and someone just said to me, no, you'll probably get burnt out if you do that. It's a lot of work. So to see someone doing three per week is quite inspiring, I think. Oh, it, well, thank you. It, it's something that I am energized by. The, having the conversations with people is, is something that really uh, gives me the lift and gives me the, the energy to want to continue and to want to 
to power that on. That that people are, and and something that I I think works well for the format. These are not definitive statements on anybody. They're mm. they're a, a moment in time. Um, so you can pick up any of the episodes that have been dropped, and some of them have been recorded a bit before they were released. Or you know, if you're new to the 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 series, of course, there's stuff said that has now happened or has mm. changed even in these people's lives. Uh, so it's not like here is Mark Stefano and, and you will learn everything about the guy from this episode. No, that's just how that was for him then. Mm. If I have a chat with him again in a year's time, which I may do, I might cherry pick some people to go back and do some revisits. Mm. We can touch base. So what's changed in your life and then ask a whole bunch of questions and learn more about them independently. Mm. So that's, that's, a, a really exciting thing as far as I guess the longevity for the project, but just talking to people is just so incredible and so rewarding. Mm. Mm. That was one of my next questions was what do you love about doing a podcast and this podcast in particular? But I guess you've kind of answered that. There's also the, like the time element is one that it, it kicks in. There's no question, mm. um, but you know, sleep can be caught up. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I have lunch times where, I'm eating a sandwich or I'm talking to someone and mm. I'm just as happy to record a podcast with someone than eat a sandwich. Mm. Uh, I probably should go for a walk, but that's a whole other podcast. Um, <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's just in and of itself. Uh, connecting with people is life. Mm. Yeah. And we have a lot more barriers up now around connecting with people than there were perhaps 10 or 15 or 20 years ago, ironically, in the sense that we are all so connected now and mm. yet we find ourselves so distant. Yes. And and, and there's also, uh, you know, the fact that we are so connected provides opportunities for those that overshare. You know, we've got, we know lots about some people that we mm. probably didn't know, want to know heaps about. <laughs> and we know so little about lots of other people that we probably do want to know more about, but they're guarded because uh, of you know, the, the eternity that is the internet, you know, you can put things out there and think that they're gone and they're not, mm. you know, ask people that, that tweet prematurely about things. Yeah. It's, it's a tough, it's a tough line. How much do you share? Like, for example, my wife and I have chosen to not name our kids or when we talk to anyone on social media or those sorts of things. And up until recently, and it's pretty rare, even still, we won't post photos of their faces or who they are. Now I'm not, number one on anybody's hit list. No one's going to stalk me and go, I want to know everything about Steve. Mm. But I just feel that it's in part a protection for them. And I would love, trust me, I would love to just shove a million photos down everyone's throats of here's my kids having, you know, they're doing fun things and I'm loving spending time with them and all of that sort of stuff. Mm. But they need some privacy. Mm -hmm. And also they will come shortly, I guess. I mean, my, my son's 10 and my daughter's eight right now they will come to a point where they get to choose how much they share with people. Mm. And I hope when we have some of those conversations and we let them loose on the world in a more formal sense, that they choose to be a little guarded about some things because everyone doesn't need to know everything. No, it's discernment's a very important and underrated um, attribute, I think. Yeah, just some, there is... I mean, I, I love talking to people, but I'm not going to tell people some of my deepest, darkest secrets. I, I'll save them for, you know, close friends or even things that I wouldn't tell my close friends. Mm. Uh, and, and social media is great 
and connecting with people is great. Mm. So on that note, it's it's a good segue into um, uh, talking about how you promote your show um, because obviously you use Twitter uh, a lot, like we were saying before, um, and your show is based in the land of Twitter or in the Twitter universe, Twitter sphere, whatever you kind of want to call it. Uh, and I, I'm so uh, curious about how people do get their shows out because podcasting is free and because it's the wild, wild west and anyone can have one, there's such a, um, uh, a large pool. How do you stand out in that pool? Oh, I, I, I'll say a little bit self-deprecatingly badly. Uh, I'm, I'm a no one in the grand scheme of things, right? Mm. In Australia, uh, because we're still a small little pool and even go global, right? We are even a smaller fish in a fairly you know, reasonable sized pond. Mm. I'm not doing this with a view to raise my profile or get people to my gigs or point people at my website. Mm. Now, Humans of Twitter exists just as its own little project. Mm. I have I have a website just to point people to find the thing if they want to have a listen or subscribe. It's not, and here's my terms on this, and I'm getting lots of advertising income and, and that sort of stuff. Mm. So I'm not I'm kind of trying, but I'm not really. You know, I'm, I'm talking about it on Twitter a fair bit. People will find that and share that. I am posting it a little bit on Facebook, but not shoving it down anybody's throats to the same end. If they're interested, they'll come and have a listen and and that sort of stuff. I guess by way the biggest means of promotion is is the subjects themselves. When you interview people that, you know, they might have 25,000 followers, they might have 500 followers. Mm. I, I, I don't mind either way. You know, if I can get half of their following, 10% of their following to listen to their episode, that to me mm. is a success. And and you spread that broadly because then there's lots of people who go, hey, I don't follow that person, but I want to know more about them. Or I, and, and you can lean on this particularly with, uh, let's call them actual famous people that are comedians or television people. Uh, and I'm trying to make it broader than that too. I don't just want it to be famous because you're in media or famous because television. Mm. Let's try and do some famous because politics or famous because uh, the work that you do. The only prerequisite I have to being on humans of Twitter is that you have a Twitter account. You mm. may not have ever tweeted. It may be <laughs> locked, whatever. Don't care. Yeah. If you've got a Twitter account, that's all that we need. So to that end, just like I said, because talking to people, you find out that stuff. But when they're famous, both actually and air quotes famous, people will want to know a little bit more of their story. Mm. And it's I find it particularly interesting speaking to comedians who podcast because they're usually in the asking the questions scenario or they're, you know, they're riffing on some joke. On that, and that's great. Mm. Uh, humans of Twitter, they can dish out some material or tell us a gag and that's great. But it's not about that. It's about who are you on stage and then when the lights go off and then when you're at home by yourself or then when you're on a plane to such and such. Mm. And that stuff is super revealing and getting people to share some of those truths about their lives or the truths of their experience becomes the the precious little nuggets that I think pop up in every episode. Mm. So how do you see humans of Twitter evolving over time? I I would like to think that I just get to talk to more people. Mm. At its core, the the caliber or the notoriety of those people, I would hope, starts to broaden, uh, such that uh, I would like to I would like to record interviews uh, episodes with with some of the people I guess that are news makers, 
but not I want them to be timely mm. but I don't want it to be just for outrageous sake for example you know it, it, it would be very easy for example I, I would think to find the opportunity to speak with someone like Chris Kenny for example who is a very polarizing person and not someone that I agree with mm. uh, I wouldn't that episode wouldn't be about me hating on him. It would be same thing. I want to understand who you are, Chris, and your motivations and the things that interest you and that sort of stuff. And people can form their own decisions because no one has to listen to any or all of them. Mm. They're not. It's not a linear feed. So I'd, I'd like to get that kind of stuff happening. I'd like to get some, uh, as I said, some broader profile and higher profile people involved. And as I said, there's then also the opportunity to do some revisits, uh, particularly if we've ticked someone off, like if we've done a, a recording, say with Jane Kennedy, for example, from um, Working Dog, mm. then let's say Working Dog release a new film or a big new series and it goes gangbusters or something big happens, um, that will have impact on her life. It won't be to, to touch base with us. So tell us all about what's the gossip on the thing. It would be how's your life now or what's doing now that's different to before or how has, how has that impacted who you are? Mm. And, and some might think it won't have done anything at all and some might think it's changed everything. Who knows? Only Jane knows. Mm. That sounds awesome. I wanted it to be something that could go and could stop and could doesn't have to be finite. I'd love to see it have a much broader audience, no question. Mm. But the joy of podcasting is that it can have 20 people download an episode and if those 20 people really dig it, that's grouse. No, I think that's I think that's a really great attitude to have. I got really caught up for a little while in trying to understand how to grow it and how to market it and how to monetize it. And I went to um, a Q&A with Kevin Smith and was very fortunate to ask him um, how one does that. And he said, you know, you, can, you could do all of that, um, but, you know, you probably have to sell out a little bit, do this, do that. Or you could just trust that you do the show that you want to do and the audience that is right for that show will find it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what you're saying. You know, if if you get a few people downloading it each week and that kind of, that grows incrementally, maybe it doesn't even grow, maybe you've just got a niche audience, whatever it is, if you're making the show that you want to make, there's going to be more people like Steve Malk, there's going to be more people like Alistair Marks out there in the world that are going to want to hear the same thing. Yeah, look, I could get super hung up on how many downloads per episode and, and, and that sort of thing. And, of course, the longer they're out there, the more they start to get downloaded. And if mm. somebody does something big, uh, then their episode might spike either then or even later. And I've seen that happen where I've recorded an episode with someone and they've come into the public eye or they've done something specifically and people have searched their name, found them, and then had to listen to it. Mm. I'm, yet, I'm yet to crack, as far as I'm concerned, the holy grail of podcasting. Yeah. And that is to have an episode uh, writ large, cut apart and put together as an article uh, for like uh, City Confidential <laughs> or, or whatever. That, that, you know, this one line from it forms the basis of an article for that person that day. Uh, I obviously haven't been promoting it to the right people because that hasn't happened. Yeah. Or the people that I'm talking to aren't controversial enough. <laughs> that, I, I never even thought it, considered that, that that could happen. But I guess it's out there in, in the public domain. So why wouldn't it? Oh, there's been a few art articles now, and it's it's actually really funny because you would you would think in that context that the the person, let's call them a journalist, writing the piece would want to speak to the person that did the interview or, or was a part of the conversation, particularly if they're in Australia, mm. uh, and get a little bit of the background or those sorts of things. It said no, no, the background is largely made up, or 
couched in, you know, in a recent interview. And if you're lucky, it'll mention the name of your podcast. And, and I think a couple of great examples, Will Anderson's one, where a few of the star, the things that he said in his Tofop Fofop podcasts have become articles for, for Cine Confidential. And there was another one uh, more recently. I don't know if it was I Love Green Guide Letters or it might have been a Mamma Mia podcast or something, just irrespective of the people that put it out. Mm. This article just appears where this person said a line. And there's five paras in the article. The whole article is based on one quote. Yeah, it's it's crazy, man. Welcome to modern journalism. Yeah, that's why I um I don't, I I try not to subscribe to it. That and I'm lazy, and you know, <laughs> probably probably the primary reason actually. <laughs> yeah, you just described my view of promoting my podcast. No, I'm just lazy. I, I, I people will find it. Let's uh let's let's break it down even further. Um, what's a good gateway episode for people into humans of Twitter who may not have uh, heard the show before? The benefit is so far that there are lots of different people from lots of different backgrounds. Mm. So there's almost certainly someone that people might recognize, even as a name check, Mm. to dive in on and get a bit of an indication of what it's about. So if you know nothing other than you might watch a little bit of TV. There's some people in there like uh, Layla McKinnon or Dan Illick or Jane Kennedy, as, as I mentioned before, or Osher Ginsburg, that are great starters. Um, if you're a bit of a media nerd or a media nut, there's people like Mia Friedman or uh, Rick Morton, uh, who used to work for, for Mia, incidentally. Uh, Nick Kelly, uh, who is incredible as far as just up and cupping, making media and, and all of those sorts of things. There's lots of comedians across there, Michael Chamberlain, Justin Hamilton. And then there's just some great, I'm going to, this will sound horrible, but some great normal people <laughs> that are on there as well mm. um, that I, I reckon stand up as well, if not better than some of the, again, air quotes, famous people mm. that are just amazing episodes. I will offer that there's an episode that is out by a, a lady that's known on Twitter as Dale Bree. Mm. Look, I, I, if I had to pick an episode for me at the moment, that's my favourite because at the moment that'll change in a, in a heartbeat. But <laughs> it's my favourite because she managed to do something that doesn't happen to me very often. She surprised me and I was lost for words. Wow. Just in a response to a question. Mm. And it might seem a little overblown in the podcast, but I legitimately had no idea how to respond mm. because I was just amazed at what she said. Wow. It's a cracking listen. It is so great. So who's that with? Uh, Dale Bree is Dale Bree. Uh, her, her Twitter online, uh, episode 59. Episode 59, Dale Bree. Cool. I'm going to check that one out. Where can the good folk out in coming up next universe find you? Look, humansoftwitter.com will point you at the podcast and those sorts of things. Me, I am probably standing right behind you. Uh, <laughs> at Mox TV Talk on Twitter. Surprise! Uh, at Mox TV Talk on Twitter, I do a lot of stuff at Decider TV around the media side of things. Look, they're probably the key things. Fa- Facebook me if you want to. I'm really boring. Otherwise, Steve Malkinton. <laughs> Hi. Uh, yeah, I, I, there are secrets and there are no secrets concurrently. Mm. I think you are anything but boring. Um, I like to wrap up the show by asking all of my guests, what makes you silly? A desire to be accepted. That may be one of the most profound answers I've had to that question. <laughs> yeah, that, I, I think that's it. I, I 
I, I love being silly because I love trying to be funny and, and ultimately at the core of it, it's because that's how I express myself, but also because I want people to like me. Mm. Do you have an example of uh, when you've made yourself a bit silly to be accepted? Uh, probably the last any public thing I went out to where I was by myself and it, it may not have been like, I'm a big guy, like physically I'm overweight, a fat guy. So it's very easy for me to be silly by thinking I can do any kind of exercise or, um, you know, through large arm movements and that kind of thing, I can look pretty silly pretty quickly. Mm. Um, if I am, and I like to think that I'm good in getting to know people and reading people's um, non-verbal, you know, body language and, and that, that sort of thing, the non-verbal communication, I'll, I'll test people a little bit to see how far I can push a conversation or the start of that relationship mm. um, through being silly more than more than anything. Irreverence is uh, is a really great ingredient for life, I think. You can't take yourself too seriously, God. Mm. As soon as you do that, then you just you go home to the same meal every night, and there's there's not a lot of fun happening in anything. Mm. Well, your podcast is certainly fun, and and it definitely um, definitely. You know, has has a great combination of depth and humour. So thanks for doing it, man, and thank you for uh, for inspiring me through uh, through your Twitter account. Thank you, man. That's very nice of you to say. Oh, it's my pleasure, and thanks for being on my show. Hey, look, anytime. <laughs>